0: Hallelujah. I am so excited for the opportunity today to speaking and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't take that opportunity lightly. In case you're wondering, and maybe you didn't notice, I'm Latin. I'm actually Dominican, and uh, as you already know, my name is Franklin Carrero. And uh, if you can show a picture of my family real quick. There you go. You have the bride, the rock of the house, my bride, Marisol Carrero, and you have my little BJ, who is three years old. He was about a year old there, and then my little preacher, Sophia, and myself, and we have been married for 15 years, and the Lord has done a wonderful work uh, in our life, uh, in our marriage, and we're so excited that we have this opportunity to connect with you. I am so inspired. By many of the testimonies of the things that God has been doing in your lives, it just adds fire to the sermon. Come on, somebody. Uh, My wife and I serve as the campus pastors for a satellite uh, from Bethlehem Assembly of God under the leadership of Pastor Steve Molasso. We've been doing it for about three years now, and the Lord is moving in a powerful way. Uh, So thank the Lord that we have the opportunity to go into the byways and the highways to compel them to come in so that the house of the Lord may be full. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I'd like to take a moment quickly uh, to acknowledge uh, uh, your executive director, uh, Paul Burke, for his leadership. Uh, I've had the opportunity to connect with him. One time we even walked into the building uh, where we're doing church today in Rosedale, and he spoke about the students and the vision that God has given him and the program for the things God wants to do with Teen Challenge through Brooklyn Teen Challenge. And I want to thank you for your seal and your passion and your dedication to the ministry. It's a lot of work. Would you give it up to Paul? What a wonderful leader. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm Let's take a moment quickly also to honor the house and thank Pastor Gary Petrillo, right? Did I say it right? Come on, I'm Dominican. I'm going to mispronounce some words here and there. Come on, somebody, in case you're wondering, I actually came to this country, I was 18, Uh, so yeah, pastor, thank you so much for the work you are doing, I was telling the pastor that was uh, maybe about eight or nine months ago, my wife and I were driving around because we saw him preaching on Facebook, and uh, our campus was shut down because of COVID. And I said, man, I need, I need to go out and worship the Lord. They were, you guys were meeting in some park or uh, on the beach somewhere. And we drove and drove and drove and couldn't find you. But here we are. Come on. Will you give it up to your pastor as well? I was having a conversation with him and hearing his story and his dad and the legacy and the seed that has been transferred to what God is doing in this community is remarkable. So thank you so much, Pastor, for that. Um, Would you turn with me without further ado uh, to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 30th. 1 Samuel chapter 30th, beginning on verse 1. I'm going to give you a moment to get there. If you have your Bible on your smartphone and your smartphone dies and you need to fight, you're in trouble. Come on. We have a young crowd out here, so I can do that, right? First Samuel chapter 30, beginning on verse 1. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. They had taken captive the women and those who were there. From great to small, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city of Ziklag, and there he was. Burned with fire, and their wives, and their sons, and their daughters, they all had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had more no more power to weep. Now David was greatly distressed for the... People, uh, uh, The people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. David said to Abiathar, the priest, and Ahimelech, the son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the Ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, should I pursue this troop? Should I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you surely will overtake them and without fail recover at all. I want to speak this night on this thought. It is time to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. It is time to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. Will you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this room. We decree, have your way. The Bible says that your word is alive, active, and sharper than a double edged sword. Father, we pray that our hearts will be prepared to hear from you, O God. Father, let every word that comes out of my mouth bring honor and glory to you. And may you encourage somebody today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and everybody says, and everybody says. Come on. The year is flying by. It's actually March. How many of you remember that it's March? And and I don't know about you, but we're in this frozen time, but it seems like time is going really fast, but it's frozen. I really can't describe it to you. I'm just trying to put two and two together. Maybe you can make sense out of it. You know, in 2019, at the end of 2019 in December, my wife sat down and we began to kind of write down our New Year's resolution. How many of you write down your New Year's resolution? Let me see your hand. The rest of you need deliverance in this house. And we sat down and began to look at 2020, and we started talking about the things that we did not accomplish in 2019 that we said we were definitely going to be able to do in 2020. So we started talking about going back to the gym. You know, you saw my son. He's now three. So we said maybe finally now we can leave him with a childcare. We can go back to the gym. Maybe we can go to Mexico or we can go on a trip somewhere. We didn't get to do that in the last couple of days. And we started writing down the things that we wanted to do. Checklist by checklist, we say yes. How many of you got into 2020 with a 2020 vision glasses? How many of you remember that sermon from that pastor? (laughs) And you got into 2020, and we got on the treadmill of life in January, and we started kind of tracking down the progress. And we will look back on the second week of January and say, hey, we're we're doing great. We lost a couple of pounds, and, and life is good. The third week of March is coming in, and we're kind of like now almost a month into 2020. Life is good. February comes, and we're on the West Side Highway with our 2020 glasses on, driving towards the Target, and we're talking, me and my wife, man, this is great, and he's excited, and life is going to be good, and we're going to be able to do all these great things. The first week of March comes, and we're really excited, and then March 14 hits, and we get hit by a truck, we did not see coming, it's called COVID-19. And I actually got a letter from a lady a few weeks ago that come to my church. And I actually had a letter. I had a, this phone call with this lady that I have been calling because she hasn't been coming, haven't been coming to our church in a while. And I want to read it to you because maybe it will make a little bit more sense than what I'm trying to say. She said this to me. Pastor, the truth is that I'm really tired and I'm often discouraged. But where have you been, woman of God? What's going on? I know that we're a few months into the year, Pastor, but how could I be excited about my future when I feel like I've been hit by a trailer that I did not see coming called COVID-19? It has been a thing after the other, one thing after the other, and I feel like every time I'm moving forward, I'm taking a step back. But what is happening, woman of God? She began to tell me everything that she has been going through for the past year. First, it was COVID-19 at the end of March. My kids were sent home. I lost my job. My church no longer is meeting in person. I began to feel isolated and depressed. Uh, uh, Then the death of George Floyd hit home, and the fear of my African American sons going to work, and I was afraid that something will happen to them if they jump in the car and went to do something. But over the last months, just when I thought things were going back to normal, and and my kids went back to school, and I began to work again, Pastor, I hear that there's lockdowns again. And in fact, a few months ago, I lost uh, two family members who suddenly passed away, and a dear friend also passed away. And and then the election, and then the riots at the Capitol. Pastor, I don't understand, but I feel like the devil has stolen my peace the devil has stolen my joy my blessing I feel like the devil has stolen my calling the devil has stolen my health my relationships my opportunities my identity uh, my life but then she stopped for a moment and she went on to say the following statement that really encouraged me to write this sermon uh tonight she said I know that the storm will come to pass and I'm certain that God is going to restore to me everything that I have lost, and I am ready to reclaim what the devil has stolen from me. Come on, somebody. So tonight, as we dive into the story of David and lag, I believe that God wants every Christian to reclaim everything. Not some things, everything that the enemy has stolen from you. With everything that's going on, the question that I have for you tonight is this. Are you willing to reclaim that which has been stolen? Are you willing to arrest the enemy and his falling angels for everything that he has taken away uh, without authority? For the next few moments, I would like to show you several amazing truths that will help you reclaim that which was stolen. Now, in order to fully understand what is happening here in 1 Samuel chapter 30, I would like to go back, way back, way back a little bit in order to set the stage and really be able to understand what's going on. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Bible tells us that God gets really worked up, you know, King Saul was actually the king at the time. And he messed it up. He disobeyed God. So God gets really worked up and he sends prophet Samuel to Jesse of Bethlehem to anoint a new king. And you know the story, David is now anointed to become the new king, but he's not appointed. How many of you know that sometimes God is going to anoint you, but he's not going to appoint you right away? Because he's going to want you to be faithful through the process. And a lot of us are walking like appointed, but we're only anointed. Come on, somebody. I don't know who that message that is for. And there is a war now that's going on between the Israelites and the Philistines. And at the, a- the age of 17, David is not chosen to go to the war because he wasn't attractive. He was only a sheep taking care of. He was only a shepherd taking care of the sheep on the sheep pen. So his brothers are chosen to go to the war. So David now is sent by his father Jesse to bring rice and beans to his brothers. He was, they were Dominicans. <laughs> It was Dominican. So now David goes with his five small stones. And if you're a Christian, you know the story. Goliath comes down, and now David, you know, he goes on to, to play harp for the king. And he becomes this famous kid who killed Goliath. And now the king kind of start using David. And, and now, out of the sudden, David... Start becoming popular, and, and people began to, to talk about David and began to kind of make statements that David was a little bit stronger than Saul. In fact, there was, there was always the women. The women come sing one time into the room, and they're singing, David killed 10,000, Saul a 1,000. You don't do that to insecurity. So Saul start looking at David, and he's like, boy, oh, boy. So Saul began to feel insecure, and, and now he's trying to kill David. And David goes on a run, and Saul is hunting David, and David is now running for his life. You know the story. He goes from cave to cave to cave. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you're running from cave to cave? You see, the safest place for David at this point is running to the Philistines. Now, you remember the story. King uh, Goliath was actually an uncircumcised Philistine. So now David, because he's afraid that he's going to get killed, he runs to the enemy for protection. So David and his 600 not-so-great-like men, they go with him, and they go to King Achish, and... King Achish is the king of Gath, the king of the Philistines. And and the king of the Philistines, he really liked uh, David. So he even gave David permission to join the army. And he gave him this this city. He gave him this this town. So David and his men, for a year and about four months, they they lived in this city. By the way, if someone is sleeping at this stage of the sermon, put an elbow on him. This is way too important. Smack him in the head right now in the name of Jesus. (laughs) First Samuel chapter twenty nine, before we get to our context to, to our scripture today, he says that now the Philistines were about to get into a war with the Israelites. And the Philistines were getting ready to go and fight against King Saul. So David, which he shouldn't really be there because you know that God called David not to call Saul, not to kill King Saul. But he went and told Achish, King Achish, hey, I'm ready to go with my 600 men and I want to go and fight with you. And for a couple of days they they travel into this hub and David leaves his wives and his children and he leaves everybody in the city called Siklag. And and now he's kind of getting ready to go for the fight. And one of the Philistine's elders said... I don't trust that guy, David. He might flip the card on us. I don't know that I'm ready to go and fight Saul. So you know what? Tell David to come back to his city. We can handle Saul by ourselves. So now David is sent back to Ziklag. And now that brings us back to our story today. So you'll be able to better understand what is actually going on. So David now takes a couple of days, and on his way back, as he's traveling back to like he sees all the smoke out of the city. And when he gets there, he realizes that his wife and his children are taken. He doesn't know if they're dead. He doesn't know if they're taken captive. And he sees the city completely burned down to the ground. Have you ever been at a place where you get to a, a situation in your life that you did not expect, and everything is burned down to the ground? Listen to what it says here now. Now, it happened when David and his men came to Siklak on the third day that the Amalekites... Now, you need to understand, the Philistines, the Amalekites, the Israelites, they were always killing each other. They were always killing each other for land and possessions and all this stuff. So, the Amalekites, they invaded the south, and now they attacked Siklak and burned it with fire. So, at this point, they took all of the women captive and everybody who was there. So, now David... He comes and he finds out that everything is gone. Listen to me. Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. You knew I was coming up with that one. Someone actually once said, it is the thing you cannot see that are strong enough to kill you. So now David finds himself at this moment in life. Where he has lost everything that he had. Not only he's running away from Saul, but he finally settled at a land and now everything is gone. Finito. How many of you know that word? Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices and they wept on verse 4 until they had no more power to weep. I really feel bad for the people in the story. You know, it's really bad when you see grown warriors, grown-ups crying. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you cry so much that you have no more tears to cry? Have you ever been at a place in your life where you're so empty, so depressed, so tired, you have no more tears to express how you feel? Let me give you a disclaimer. Sometimes it's okay to lament. I know that as Christians sometimes we we have a little bit of pride. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. Shake it off, you know, is that Swift Taylor, what's her name, right, Taylor Swift, all right, I I, want to make sure you're paying attention here, okay, so sometimes we want to clothe ourselves with scriptures, you know, And we put on pride, you know. I'm not going to show the world that I'm I'm depressed. I'm I'm not going to show the world that that hell's breaking loose in my life. I'm not going to show my my, my brother, my husband. I'm not going to show my husband that I'm going through all of that. But what if I tell you sometimes it is okay to show emotions. It is okay to feel grief. It is okay to cry it out. Sometimes it is okay to get to the reality that you and I are humans. And that sometimes we need a divine intervention in our hearts. Sometimes it is a cake to come to the reality that hell has broken loose in our life. Now let me give you a disclaimer. There is a biblical way of crying. If you cry and all you did was crying and you didn't handle it biblically, all you did was wet the floor. I want you to understand that. So the truth is that so many of us, listen to me, sometimes we suppress the pain. We suppress pain. We put makeup on. We got to work and we we put our best smile forward. You know what I'm talking about. And we look happy. But the truth is on the inside, there is a hole in our hearts. On the inside, there's something that's taking the very life out of you. And we want to suppress it. We want to put it to the side. We want to ignore that it exists and we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to wrestle with it. Touch your neighbor and say wrestle with it. Sometimes it is okay to cry. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed. Now you need to understand what's going on here. The people now on verse 6, they spoke of stoning David. Now you need to understand the biblical understanding of stoning in the Bible. Stoning was like this capital punishment only designated for chosen crimes. You know, like high crimes and misdemeanors right now in the White House? I'm kidding. kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding oh boy I'm talking about when you will commit an act when you will do something stupid it will be maybe blasphemy idolatry it will be some high crimes but the very people who David let out of Saul's hand now they want to call the kill David the reject you know you're in trouble when the reject wants to reject you as well you know you're in trouble You know, it hit the fan when the reject wants to reject you as well. Have you you ever been at a place in your life when people have turned their back on you? Hell breaks loose in your life and now you're the problem. And we start pointing fingers at each other. And that was happening in our country right now. Think about it. But David picked himself up and he went to reclaim what the enemy has stolen from him. Pastor, but how do I reclaim what the enemy has stolen from me? Well, number one, write this down. I believe this is going to bless you. Encourage yourself in the Lord. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved in every man for his sons and his daughters. David was about to be killed. Now, I like how the uh, the uh, King James version says it. He said, "David encouraged himself in the Lord." Now, write this word down for some of you that are Bible junkies, right? In the Hebrew, the word "encourage" is the word "chazak." Okay, C H A Z A Q chazak, which means to become strong, to prevail, to be to be courageous, to talk to ourselves. Sometimes there are going to be things that are going to come in our life. Our children are going to begin acting up. When you start making trips to the doctor, you're getting a negative report. When hell's breaking loose in your life, when your friends are talking about you, they no longer want to deal with you anymore. When you're dealing with depression, oppression, and suppression in our life, when you're dealing with discouragement, sometimes you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to learn how to talk to yourself. When you're going through a bad situation in your life, who is the first person that you go to for encouragement? See, the problem is most people will first run to Siri. Siri, I have a problem. We YouTube it. We Google it, and we're allowing non-theologians to tell us how we're supposed to deal with our biblical problems. You know, the only person that can help you is God. Let me be more specific. The only person that can help you is Jesus Christ. But we Siri it, right? We go to the counselor, we go to the pastor. Who's the first person? You go for the problem. You call your mom, you call your friends, you go to the pastor. What if I tell you, that maybe the reason why you're not able to encourage yourself is because you keep hearing the voices of the blockers and the naysayers and the people that don't have their best interest in you. You keep listening to the news. You keep watching those news that are telling you the bad news. There's only one good news on the TV. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we have to speak to ourselves. Sometimes we actually speak to ourselves but we speak junk to ourselves. I'm not good enough. I am cursed. I'm going to be just like my mom, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-oh. I won't make it. I will die in this valley. I'm not good enough. I'm not I'm not good looking. I'm not healthy enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not mom enough. I'm not a dad enough. I am not a a teen challenge graduate enough. I'm not enough. I won't survive this one. And everything that comes out of our mouth is what? Junk. In fact, you have to be careful what you let your mind tell yourself. You know who's the first person who's ever spoken to you? Yourself. That's what the Bible says. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out from God, from the very lips of God. That's what the Bible says there's power in the tongue to do what? To speak life and death. So many of us are actually tired and sick, and we're not even sick. It's what we're saying to ourselves. Come on, somebody. So we have to be careful. That we don't let a system or people speak to ourselves. When we don't control our tongue, we will not be able to reclaim what the enemy has stolen. That's what the enemy has been doing. He's a foul spirit. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. Nothing that comes from Satan is going to build you up. And he's used people in your circumstances and in your settings. It's not your mom speaking to you right now. It's the spirit of Satan that's influencing each and every one of us so that we can speak down to each other. So we have to control what's being said. Come on, somebody. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. But pastor, how do I encourage myself? Well, number one, let me give you a couple of practical applications. Are you ready? Number one, you have to rehearse your past victories. I suppose when David got to the city of Ziklag and he saw everything gone, I suppose he started thinking when he was a shepherd tending the sheep and a lion and a bear came. Or I suppose when David was right in front of Goliath and he said, who is that uncircumcised Philistine Goliath? And the Bible says he had five five smooth stones and a sling. He only used one stone. Why? Why do you think I gave him five and he only used one? Because he knew he would have to fight the Philistine again. You see, God is always giving us more than we have to fight. Do you know you have more than you need right now to fight? You know God has given you more than enough to fight right now? Number two, remember that you are under divine protection. Remember that the angels are around you, as the Bible says. Angels are guarding you right now. In today's word, God has preserved you and your family. I mean, think about everything that's going on. And you're still here, and you're still breathing, and you're still alive. Do you remember the accident that never took place? you remember the situation that happened where you were not there? How many places has God taken you out from? And you were supposed to be there at that very moment, and you'll pick up a call. I've spoken to people that say, hey, you know what? Something was going to happen, and I remember 9-11. I picked up a call before I walked right into the building. Because God is there. He's protecting you. Number three, you have to remind yourself, this is really important. Listen to me. About who God is and who you are in Christ. That God is holy. That God is a healer. That God is a great physician. Listen to me. Sometimes you have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Sometimes you have to speak to yourself. Isaiah 54 verse 17, no weapons form against me will prosper. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, Psalms 18 verse 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, God is my rock, whom I take refuge, my shield, and he's the horn of my salvation, he's my stronghold, come on somebody. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, Psalms 20 verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord my God, come on somebody. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 13, I shall be at the top and not at the the bottom. Sometimes you need to tell yourself Romans 8 verse 37 we are more than conquerors in Christ. Come on somebody. Sometimes you have to tell yourself Philippians chapter 4 we can do all things through Christ to give us strength. Sometimes you have to tell yourself Job 13 verse 15 though the enemy slay me yet will I in him hope I will surely defend my ways to his face. Sometimes you have to tell yourself Psalm 27 verse 1 the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life Of whom should I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble. Though an army, guess. Uh, against me. The Bible says that my heart will not fear one thing I ask from the Lord and one thing I do seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord to gauge on the beauty of the Lord, to seek his temple for the days of the trouble. He will keep me safe in his dwelling place. In fact, this is what I want you to do right now. I feel in the spirit. Stand up and start encouraging yourself in the Lord. God wants you to learn how to speak back to your trouble. God wants you to know how to speak back to your situation. God wants to give you a word and put it right inside your wound and as the trouble comes, you start speaking back the things that are not as though they are. Sometimes you have to tell yourself, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art is with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the rest of my life come on somebody take a moment right now and begin to encourage yourself in a word that God has put in the last season for this season right now I believe there's a word in you God gave you in the last season and he wants you to use it right now so with your own sound with your own lips right now just begin to say thank you Lord hallelujah we praise you God you are an awesome God hallelujah Jesus You are the great God. You love me with an everlasting love. I am the head and not the tail. Uh, My children are going to make it. My my marriage is going to flourish. My body is getting healed. My, My ideas are going to excel. Come on. My calling will come to pass. My children are coming home. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. My business is going to expand. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You start marching around those walls. As God says, you start marching around those walls for seven days. And you start speaking God's word. You start speaking those things that are not as though they are. And watch how the Lord does an incredible work in you. Because sometimes he first needs to do it in you before he can do it through you. You might be seated at this time. Come on, give it up to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The next truth is that in order for you to be able to reclaim what the enemy has stolen, you need to be specific with your prayers. It's not wishful thinking. You know what it says? It says, David inquired of the Lord. And David said, God, should I pursue this troop? Should I overtake them? Lord, should I pursue this job? Should I marry this person? Not a good time to look at your husband right now. Should I buy this house? I mean, seriously, should I join this ministry? Should I move to the state? So many of us are blaming God for things God never told us to do. We never asked God, and now we're blaming God for the things we never talked to God about. But David is so specific. Notice the first thing David did not do was to go and fight. The first thing that David did, he went and inquired. He talked to God. He had a conversation with him. When we're specific with God, some things, they begin to happen. You know what happens when you speak to God? Number one, he clarifies your mind. He'll give you some application. He helps you define your needs. Because a lot of times, can God give you a Lamborghini right now? Let me see your hand. Some of you need deliverance in this house. He probably can. God is more interested in your character than the Lamborghini. So he helps you. The word of God aligns you with his will. The word of God aligns you with how he thinks and how he processes things. So that when you're asking, God is able to reveal to you the things he wants to do. It actually emphasizes your dependency on God. He humbles ourselves. When we're specific with God, we learn how to trust God. It increases her faith. In fact, Mark 11, verse 24 says, anytime. And by the way, I don't know what, which Bible you're reading, but mine says anytime. Anytime you ask anything in prayer and you believe it in your heart, you will receive it. Touch your neighbor and say, you will receive it. Touch your neighbor and say, do you believe it? Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. I'm reminded of these two blind men and Jesus was walking by. And Jesus is getting close to them and Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, I want my sights back. And Jesus said, be healed in the name of Jesus. Why why didn't Jesus heal them before they asked? Because God wants us to be specific. God wants us to be bold in our prayers. You're not a child of the president. You're a child of the king of kings. Yeah. Come on. When was the last time, seriously, that you asked God specific questions? When was the last time that you generally went to God and said, Lord, I have this thorn in my flesh. God, I'm dealing with this situation. When was the last time? The next truth that will help you reclaim what the enemy has stolen from you is wait for His instruction, wait for his instruction. That's what it says. Should I pursue this troop? Should I overtake them? And God always answers. Write this down somewhere. God always answers. He might not answer on your time, but God always answers. You know what intrigues me about this word? That he asks two questions and God answers two questions. Can you imagine if he would have asked 15 questions? God would have answered 15 of them. I prove it to you. He answered him, pursue. God, should I pursue? God said, pursue. God was very specific. When God speaks to you, he doesn't have to give you a book. He gives you a word. He said, pursue. And then he went on to say, you surely will overtake them. God gave him the assurance. And without fall, you will recover it all. David inquired. But he waited. When was the last time that you inquired? and you waited. I want to challenge you today. As I was putting together my sermon, I was challenged. because you know, grace is God giving me what I need when I need it, not what I want, when I want it. And when you understand the process and what God is trying to do in you and what God wants to do through you, then you're, you're, you get used to how God works. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we have to learn to wait. Be still and know that I am God. He didn't say, be still and know that I'm the mailman, the PPP, you know, the $1,400. He's not talking about that. <laughs> be still and know I'm God. Yeah. Psalms 27 verse 14 says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. When you wait, God develops courage in you. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait. I say, wait on the Lord. They couldn't have said wait no more than a couple of times in there. You know, one time I got home, it probably was about two, two thirty. I went to a conference with some of the pastors of our church, and we did not go to a nightclub for some of you that are thinking 2:30. Okay. So joke, you'll get it on your way home. But anyhow, I'm getting home, okay? And I'm, I get home, and my wife is, she's going to kill me for this. She's profoundly, she's sleeping profoundly. She was probably snoring, you know? So <laughs> she's not watching right now. So I'm knocking. No one opens the door. I get home. I'm, no one opens the door. Ten, five minutes into it, no one opens the door. I send a text message. No response back. I didn't even see that. The needle moving in the You know like how the text message is there someone read it? So now it's like six minutes and I'm getting anxious, you know. And just when I was about to leave the house to go through the window, there it comes my wife (laughs) to open the door. And so many of us were about to enter into our blessing and God is about to open the door. And maybe the door is open, you just went on a different direction. Mm. And a lot of times, the reason why the door does not open right away is because so many of us sometimes we want the candy. You know, on trick or treating. By the way, we don't do that here, all right? But you know, like on Halloween, right? And they come, they want the candy. They don't want to go through the door. They just want the hand that come out and put the candy there. Why? Because we love the gift, but we want nothing to do with the gift giver. We want what his hands provide, but we want nothing to do with his face. We want the provision, but not his presence. It goes to two Ps. But God sometimes, he wants us to wait. Why? Because he's more concerned about My character and my heart and and humbling myself and getting to that stage when I realize I'm not God and, and if God's got a better plan, if he can see the future, if he knows the plans that he has for me, then I can stand on this door and wait on God. Those who wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run. Listen to me. And then they will fly with wings like eagles. You know, an eagle symbolizes freedom. And eagle ego symbolizes provision and expansion and growth. But God wants us to wait on that door. I am sent to encourage somebody. If God promised it to you, it will happen. Touching everyone, say, it will happen. The next truth that I want to give you out of the story here, as the worship team comes, I'll give you some hope that we're about to close and land this plane. Pastor, have you used that one before? Okay. (laughs) Number four, go and reclaim what the enemy has stolen. Only when God sends you, you go. You go by yourself. What happened to Gideon? God said, you don't need 30,000. You don't need 10,000. You need 300. You'd rather go with 300 against 100,000 because God sends you. Then you're going with 100,000 against 300 without being sent by God. Go and reclaim. Go and pursue. Now, this bless me, and I don't know if it will bless you the way you blessed me. But the most important thing here on this scripture right here is on verse 8. When he says, go and pursue. And then he gives him assurance. But here is the next word. It says, and without fail. Listen to me. Without fail. You will not fall. You will not fail. You will not stay on the ground. You might fall, but what does the Bible says about the righteous one? He gets back up again. Yeah. You will not fail, but you will recover it all. Yeah. You know Job's friends? They were mocking Job. Be, be, be careful with those friends who do not understand how God works. Be careful with those voices that do not understand that God is in operation in your life right now. And by the way, your calling and his calling and his road and your way and your road is totally different. Stop going on the speed that your neighbor's going. He might have sprinkler system in his lawn and you might only have a couple of buckets of water. And that's okay. Because if the electricity died, you'll still be able to go out and sprinkle water on your lawn. And your neighbor will be looking at you like, what are you doing? (laughs) Because you're depending on power. But I got the ultimate power. The Holy Spirit. Come on. David went and pursued and he reclaimed that which was lost. Now, this is pretty interesting. Because... You take the first step. Now, this is pretty interesting. God didn't tell David the plan. He gave him the first step. He didn't give him a blueprint. He didn't give him a map. No, he just said, Go. Maybe there's something God has called you to do, and all he needs you to do, take the first step. You know what happens? David goes. And on the way, he finds an Amalekite that was actually sick. The same people that came and burned the city. And by the way, don't leave any of your people wounded behind. Be careful who you leave behind and who you use for your benefit. Because the Amalekites left this warrior behind. And now David is on his way with his 600 men. He finds this wounded Amalekite. What happened to you? Well, we went into this city called, I don't know, sick He didn't even know that it was David's land. And we just destroyed everything. But my masters, because I, I wasn't useful anymore, they left me behind. So David gave him water. David sat with him and loved on him. And by the way, do you happen to know where they're at? Of course I know. As long as you don't trade me or you don't kill me, I will tell you. So here it goes. Out of the blue, David knows where his wives are at. And I'll leave you with this one. And they, all of their arm, all of their tools, all of their sword, all of their helmets were all on the floor. When David got there, they were probably drunk. They were probably tired. They were not waiting for David. Here he comes, David. And the Bible says, if you keep on reading that story, the Bible says David recovered everything plus more. You know, every spoil that the Amalekites had stolen actually ended up in David's hands. Oof, I don't think you get it. What might be a trial on this season, might be your harvest on the next season. Come on, somebody. What might be a challenge this year? What well, might be a challenge right now in your marriage if you allow the Lord to mold you. He is the potter, and we are the clay. And by the way, you can't do nothing without water. If you have the potter and the clay and the Holy Spirit right there molding and shaping, peeling every onion out of your life. And allowing this pruning process where he prunes what needs to grow and he cuts what needs to go, and in that process, you let God work in you and build you up and build your character. You're going to get to the next season with character and a blessing. God wanted to make sure that David will remember when he became a king that it's only God who put him there. Hallelujah. Only God can do that in your life. And I am sent to tell somebody, you might be walking through a valley and you put makeup on it. And you dress it up and it looks fine. But on the inside, maybe there is an Amalekite left behind. And God wants to send a David to pick you up. Now remember, Jesus is the better David. You see that that Amalekite that was left behind? That was me. That was you. But Jesus is the better David. Jesus will never leave you behind. Jesus will pick you up. So with every head bow and every eye closed in this place, this is a holy moment right now. And I believe God wants to challenge each and every one of us. And maybe... Your finances, your relationships, your calling, your children. They've been taken away from you. The Bible says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But John 10.10 also says, but he came that he can give you life. And life more abundantly. You might be watching via live stream right now. And I believe the Lord sent me with a sound to tell you this. God wants to restore you. He wants to pick you up. He wants to build you up. He wants to bless you. He wants you to encourage yourself. He wants you to be specific. In fact, there's something in your heart. I want you to be specific with God right now. Whatever that is. Boldly. You don't have to tell me. You don't need to tell your neighbor. Write it on your phone. Put it in your heart. Guard it right now. Ask the Lord. Whatever that is. Right at this moment, what is it? Is it healing? Is it a financial blessing? Is it a larger facility? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Wait patiently. And when he confirms it, go and claim your spoils. Pastor, pray for me. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. The Bible says... As I close in Matthew 11, verse 28, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Father, I gave what you gave me. Breathe on this place now, Lord. The spirit of encouragement. Breathe on this place right now in the name of Jesus. <sighs> Breathe right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, let you do in as working power. We shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us. So we thank you. Maybe you're in this room right now. You say, Pastor, I'm not certain if I die right now. If I went home and something happened to me. I'm not certain. that I'll go to heaven. And you need prayer. No one's watching. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're in this room. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Hallelujah. Would you pray with me for those hands? Repeat with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your finished work on the cross. Thank you that you would never leave me behind. Today, I confess that I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Restore me. Send your Holy Spirit. To dwell on the inside of me. And from this day forward, my new name will be child. Thank you, Abba. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody says.